I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to solve a mystery. And I'm Miles, and I'm... Well, I'm not here to help. I am here to, I guess, get high and eat snacks? With the aid of the 2014 Scooby-Doo WrestleMania mystery movie, this is the next wrestling fan goes to WWE City. <laughs> Welcome to this bonus episode of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Uh, this episode exists because we hit our $150 goal on Patreon. Woo! So our patrons got together. Uh, it, you know, this is partially our fault. We did put yes. the Scooby-Doo oh, yeah. movie on the poll and we did suspect that it would do well. And it did yes. do well. It won the poll and we had to watch this movie. Bob watched it uh, last week. Twice. Twice. Yes. Okay. Wow. You're dedicated. I watched it last night, so it's very fresh in my mind. And uh, Bob has a breakdown for us. An extremely long breakdown is my understanding. There's a lot that happens in this film, contrary to what you might expect. I would like to take a second and talk about our histories with the Scooby-Doo franchise. (laughs) Okay. So I would like to ask you, Miles, were you a Scooby-Doo viewer as a child in your teens, any of that, because Scooby-Doo has been around for a long time, and then I remember the reruns being very popular. So tell me about your Scooby-Doo experience. I don't have a lot of it, honestly. I was never a Scooby-Doo guy. I was aware of it. It was a thing that existed while I was growing up. When I got older and started working in uh, child care and education, obviously I was exposed to some of it because we would show like Scooby-Doo movies to the kids and stuff. And of course, I am familiar with it through cultural osmosis in that I am aware of who the characters are and generally Mm -hmm. what their character traits are. I had an interesting discovery while watching this movie. Yes. So I am a huge Venture Brothers fan, and the Venture Brothers did an episode uh, in which there is a a parody version of the Scooby Gang is not exactly the right word. It's more of a dark mirror mirror version of the Scooby oh, Gang. Oh, no. And like, I couldn't watch the Scooby Gang without thinking of the Venture Brothers versions of the characters oh, no. who are like all horrible. <laughs> That's terrible. So, yeah, not a ton of experience over here with Scooby-Doo. What's your experience with Scooby-Doo, Bob? I watched it intermittently as a child. Not through any design, but because it was on and it had third place after (laughs) if this was like old cartoons after the Flintstones and the Jetsons, I would then accept Scooby-Doo if I had to. So you were big into like Hanna-Barbera is what I'm hearing. No, I was not big into it, but if okay, so the order of preference, the (laughs) is turning rapidly into an episode of the math of you (laughs) the order of preference would largely be disney cartoons and then i would watch warner brothers and then if i couldn't get disney or warner brothers you know third string is hanna barbera i never have really liked hanna barbera but i do actually think that hanna barbera is probably better at comedy than disney is what age of young bob are we talking about here between 7 to 12. Okay. It's just interesting to me because I, I think part of my problem is that I have a general inability to remember my childhood. 
um, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons I, I don't push to go on math of you more often is that <laughs> I don't remember. I remember some things like I have like, you know, certain images and certain things that stuck with me. But like, for the most part, did I see a lot of Hanna-Barbera shit when I was a kid? Like, probably, but it didn't really make an impact on me. You know what I mean? Mm. OK, so that's where we're coming from. as far as Scooby-Doo, I do have a, one more question for you before we begin. Mm hmm. We've now been covering NXT and talking about wrestling for a year and a half. 18 months? Yeah. yeah. How familiar did you feel with the wrestling WWE content of this movie? Or was it all going was it going over your head? I felt almost uncomfortably familiar with it. <laughs> okay. Because I was seeing it from the level of understanding some of what was happening, although I do have some questions about the era that we're in and some of the storyline choices that are made. Me too. (laughs) Spoiler alert. I also have questions. However, I was also seeing it from the meta angle of the corporate synergy machine that is the WWE and being astonished at how incredible they are at cross-promotion marketing, and also terrified. Because in some ways, they might be better at it than Disney, and that's scary. Mm. It would really be something if Vince McMahon stepped back and allowed the people who work for him, who are very good at what they do in all capacities, to make a good television product that people would like, because he's like, he's so obsessed with going mainstream. And so, mm-hmm. so many of these crossovers like this one, especially in this era, 2014, when the network was just launching and he was really like, like his obsession with pushing Lesnar and bringing in Ronda Rousey to get them May connections, his obsession with bringing in football players and celebrities and all this stuff. He wants nothing more than for his product to be seen as mainstream. And... Mm-hmm. I don't think he realizes that the biggest obstacle to that, in my opinion, is the fact that he keeps making wrestling embarrassing to watch. Yes. So anyway, that's a conversation for another day. For now, Bob, I think we should get into your breakdown. We are going to do the sight, sounds and feels of Scooby-Doo WrestleMania mystery. Yes. All right. Well, with that in mind, Bob, take us through it. Let's get into Bob's breakdown. Tranquil Eve. (laughs) A deserted stretch of road through the woods. Kane is walking the road to WWE City. The movie seems to be implying that he stalks the night looking for prey of some kind. (sighs) So one of our big bads has been introduced now. So still in the woods outside WWE City. The Miz is jogging. In the middle of the fucking road... Through deserted woods. To the sound of his own theme music. Oh, was that what he was listening to? Yes, to the sound of his own theme music. That's precious. So he runs into Kane and is surprised to see him because, quote, I thought we'd never see you again after that last match. Miles. Yes. Is this attempting some sort of continuity with WWE? Is this made up? No, all of this. Okay. Is, none of this is real. The, the fact that Kane is wearing a mask is kind of ridiculous. Why is that? 
Because by 2014, Kane had been not wearing a mask for years. Kane stopped wearing his mask in like 2008 or some shit. Is the mask version more iconic? In some ways, maybe. But I think they might have been. So it's hard to know exactly when this was produced. I know for a fact that the idea for the cross promotion started in 2012. Okay. I'm guessing just based on the wrestlers that are used and some of the ways they do things, I'm guessing this is a 2013 joint that happened to be released in 2014. Okay. The problem here is that in 2013, I wasn't really watching WWE. I'm not sure. I believe there was a storyline going on somewhere around here about like, because Kane had gone corporate and he was Mm. working with the authority, but like, He still had the mask, and sometimes they were like, Kane, we need you to become the demon again. And he's like, no. Oh, my God. He's like, no, I don't want to be that person again. And they're like, but we need you to. So like, He's like evil Hulk. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Like I said, I wasn't watching at the time. So apologies to any wrestling fans listening to this who are like, no, you're going to get wrong. Like, I know I'm getting it wrong. Yeah, so that was the extent to which the mask was even involved. He wasn't in the world championship picture at all oh. at the time. Like, not even okay. not even close. Kane's last flirtation with any sort of main event was, like, in 2010. Oof. Um, it had been a while since he was... Yeah. I, the fucking... In terms of, like, what actually happens with the wrestlers is all fucking nonsense. And we're going to get into it more as we go. But, like, you cannot trust anything. <laughs> well, I suppose for a children's movie it makes sense. Kane is quite scary. And, and I, I want to point out, like, even after he unmasked, he was still doing the same thing. Like, there was still the fire. He's dressed the same. He just didn't have a mask on. I know, on. that baffles so. me every time I see this man come out in a beige suit and then there's flames. <laughs> and it's like, oh, he's from hell, but he's like Ted from accounts. He's not actually anything. So there's a terrible growling sound, and out of the woods comes a giant demon bear who punches the Miz out of his clothes. Is he wearing white boxers with hearts on them? Of course he is. Don't be ridiculous. Of course he is. Yeah, it's Hanna-Barbera. They're not fools. (laughs) They know on what side their bread is buttered, and it is buttered on the boxers with hearts on its side. (laughs) So the demon bear didn't come here to see the Miz in his undies. He came to kill. So the Miz climbs the giant sign of Triple H that points the way to WWE City. The demon bear fells the sign, and Miz is terribly injured and knocked unconscious as he and the sign crash to the ground. Opening credits. Wait, go. hang on. Can we talk about the sign for one second? Oh, we can absolutely talk about this insane sign that um, it has a moving like Las Vegas arm sort of pointing the way to WWE City and then saying Triple H's catchphrase. So, first of all, in this film, there is a thing called WWE City, which I, I'm having a hard time thinking of a concept more terrifying than that. It would just be like wrestling rings. And, like, fast food and, like, piles of mud that you can shove people into and laugh about it. It's also a city where OSHA is forbidden. There (laughs) is no health and safety available anywhere. No unions ever. Like, yeah. No. There's no such thing as an uh, an employment agreement. Everybody's just a fucking independent contractor. Oh, my God. (laughs) Anyway. This is a nightmareville. It is. So, WWE City, big statue, Triple H, that says, like, Welcome to WWE City. Take the next exit, blah, blah, blah. And then what it says is, because it is just that good. And the way it's said, as you mentioned, is meant to evoke the feeling of a catchphrase. Yes. However, 
just that good is not Triple H's catchphrase. Oh, is it not? No, well, because what Triple H used to say is that he is the game and he is that damn good. Oh. So this is a sanitized, cleaned up version of Triple H's catchphrase, which I found utterly hilarious. Okay. All right. Thank you. That is very helpful. Yeah. So the opening credits go and we come back to Shaggy playing a WWE video game. He is playing as John Cena in a match against Sin Cara, who Scooby is playing and Scooby wins. So on the absolute hardest level, and now the game offers a super special bonus level where if you do the victory dance of Sin Cara perfectly, you get a trillion bonus points or something. The game does not specify. And with balletic precision, Scoob executes the dance perfectly, and the game somehow knows this. Like, how the fuck does this game work? Yeah, I don't know. Are there cameras? Sensor? Like, does it have that creepy-ass mirror technology where it can see you? Like, is this a black mirror thing? This is what like, are we doing is it, This here? is pre-Wii-mote, like Wii mode, isn't it? I'm not sure. Maybe not. It is certainly pre the level of technology where the game can sense you with any level of accuracy. Especially because I don't see any equipment. Like, I don't see any controllers no, or anything. No, they're not wearing anything. They're just, like, doing it. Yeah, I, th- none of this makes any sense. Because as a longtime consumer of WWE video games, uh, this was never a thing. And why the fuck not? <laughs> I want a comp trip to WrestleMania for doing a dance. Yes. Okay, so this game does award them a free all-expenses-paid trip to WWE City and tickets to WrestleMania, which is, I guess, being held in WWE City this year. So that's handy. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice that it ended up being there. (laughs) I know. They don't even... They get to stay in their own beds. It's the best. Yeah. So Scooby and Shaggy are stoked, and then they bring this to the rest of the gang, and they're not nearly as stoked. Daphne, Fred, and Velma are like, nah, no thank you. Wrestling isn't really our thing. Which I actually really liked. I like that they take it to their friends, and they're like, eh. I really liked that, too. I thought it was fun that the movie is aware that wrestling is a thing that if you're not into it already, that there is a barrier to entry. And the film in some way recognizes that there is a barrier to entry. And the wrestling fans are the weirdos. You know what I mean? Like the normal people don't know what you're talking about and don't care when you try to explain. (laughs) Yes. And Shaggy guilt trips them with a laundry list of times they had to be the bait in a plan and the gang feels guilty about it. So they're like, "Okay, well, we'll go. Daphne is totally the least into this. And my prediction was that by the end of the film, she's going to be hyped and then do a suplex or something. Hmm. They. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been a better outcome. I didn't hate what they did with Daphne, but we'll get there. Oh, really? I did. Okay, I'm used to this, so it doesn't it. I am numb to it. Let me put it that way. Fair enough. So they pack up the mystery machine and are on the road when it turns out that Shaggy and Scooby didn't pack any luggage. Shaggy punches his fist through the fourth wall and says, we all wear the exact same outfits every day anyway. He's got a point, Fred admits. I don't know how I feel about this casual meta commentary. Miles, yay or nay on this kind of joke? I'm generally like in favor of this kind of joke, but like Mm -hmm. in this context, It's weird for them to do it. It would be one thing if, like, one of the wrestlers pointed out they wore the same clothes, or that, like... Mm. Or if if it was a parody version of the characters pointing that out, like, that'd be one thing. But to have the actual characters go there was a little bit weird to me, just because, like, like, okay, so you're aware of this? Why don't you change? Is your entire wardrobe... 
Like, in Steven Universe, at least, it shows the fact that he legitimately has just a bunch of red shirts with yellow stars on them. Like, that's what he wears. If you're acknowledging that you always wear the same thing, then why then did you need luggage? Like, it doesn't work because it doesn't make sense, I think. Mm, I found it odd because if you make that joke once, but you don't change what you're doing then do you make that joke every time? And why did you blow that joke this time? Because you can only make that joke once. Yeah. It's a weird move. So it's dark now and they're driving through the woods when, oh no, there's wildlife on the road. Cue a slow motion, action-packed swerve to avoid a raccoon with a fish in its mouth. Raccoon avoided, (laughs) but the car gets stuck in a ditch. And then this other car drives up. Luckily, Cookie and Ruben, an uncle and his nephew, they're driving by with American Jort's dad, John Cena. That's right. Both Cookie and Ruben are black, and I am pleased to see some attempt at diversity in this thing. Yay for that. Curious as to why they are original characters and why we couldn't get any of the black wrestlers on the roster into this movie, but that's fun. I have no idea who the, some of the big uh, black wrestlers on the roster would be at this time. Was Big E a big deal at this time? Uh, I mean, he was there. I would have liked to see Big E. Big E would have been nice. I mean, they did have Brodus Clay, but Brodus Clay is problematic for different reasons. Yeah, he didn't do anything, too. Uh, and it, no, he didn't. Lee is a woman of color, but um, she didn't have a yes. significantly large role either. I wonder if the wrestlers who were involved volunteered to be involved, or if they had the ability to refuse to be involved, or if they were just, like, cast, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's unclear. It's a weird arrangement of wrestlers, yeah. which we will explore further. We'll get to. So, the car stuck in a ditch, no problem for George's dad, Cena. And I'm going to narrate precisely what happens next. The moon breaks through the clouds in this dark night, and the camera pans to Cena, who pulls off his shirt as music swells, and we get a shot of John Cena's muscles rippling in the moonlight. Okay. Daphne imagines herself clutching John Cena against a crashing ocean backdrop like a romance novel cover. Cena single-handedly lifts the mystery machine out of the ditch. Daphne is like, Holy shit, that John Cena can get it. Okay, so Daphne is now on side, and the reason is because John Cena is hot, which is not the worst reason to like wrestling. I mean, I would say that my original feelings about wrestling are largely boner-based. Sure. Then, that raccoon from earlier steals a box of Scooby Snacks, and the chase ensues. This chase introduces us to Bayard, the local shotgun-wielding guy who lives in the woods. Hey, who the fuck is this guy? Anyway, you... I, I know. Is he the red herring or the actual baddie? We don't know yet. You skipped over one thing real quick, Bob, I want to point out. Oh, yes. So Daphne imagines herself with John Cena in that sort of romance novel scene. Shaggy and Scooby look at him, and they imagine themselves standing beside John Cena. They are also super muscle-bound in their fantasy, which is a strange instance of, like, saying the quiet part out loud here, which is, like, this is what WWE thinks their business model is. Yes. Is, like, we're going to put these shirtless guys on the screen, and the women are going to want to fuck them. And the men are going to want to be them. And that, that is what you think of whether or not that's real or how it works or whatever. That's definitely what they think they're doing with John Cena. It was really interesting to see it boiled down to that. Yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness, that is a very bald reading of it. Mm-hmm. So Bayard, he resents WWE City for eating up more and more of, quote, our land. And he's speaking for himself and the raccoon, which is his pet. He does tell everyone to get off his property, and that's usually a good giveaway. He cuts a good promo on them, saying, There's a storm a-coming, 
and he's going to watch it blow you all away like dead leaves. I was like, all right, he's pretty good. So I guess this is a magical city because there is a full-blown show every night. Brodus Clay frog splashes a guy. AJ Lee smashes someone's head into the mat. Santino does the snake thing. Triple H growls at everyone. And we see the tag team of Sin Cara and John Cena defeat the team of Alberto Del Rio and the Big Show. Miles, what did you think of how they animated the wrestling? It was a weird mix of, like, real wrestling holds. They actually got Michael Cole to call. And, mm-hmm. like, bizarre shit that could never happen ever. Like, yeah, there's a move. At one point, what does Cena do? He puts Big Show on his shoulders, like, the attitude adjustment. Then he flips him onto the ropes. And then Big Show flips out of the ring through a table. Then he comes back into the ring and he's got a fucking picnic table, like a full-on fucking picnic table in yes, his hands. Yes, a, a Yogi Bear picnic table. I feel like commit to one of these things, you know what I mean? Like, mm. either depict it realistically or don't. By this point in the movie, my brain was melting already. I think if it were me, I would have gone whole hog with the very cartoony, like, style of it, right? Because mm-hmm. it fits the aesthetic of Scooby-Doo. But... The weirdest part for me was the wrestlers chosen to be depicted in this film. Most notably, Sin Cara, because Sin Cara has a prominent role in this movie. Like, yes, he does. He is John Cena's tag team partner. When Scooby and Shaggy are doing the wish fulfillment video game thing at the beginning of the movie, they are playing as John Cena and Sin Cara. And... That is essentially sort of telling us and, you know, and they're a tag team and everything. And they kind of have like equal time during the final fight at the end. And it's yes. like Sin Cara is the equivalent of John Cena. And he's just he's not like he's not even close at no point in Sin Cara's career. Was he ever on the level of John Cena? I have theories about why that happened. OK, I'm very curious the wrestling animation, I thought it was fine. I thought that they could, they should have chosen, picked a style and gone with it. I was far more curious at, about what they were doing with the actual wrestler portrayals. Okay. So Sin Cara and Cena win with, you know, a few casualties besides, you know, the picnic table, the big show, and uh, Michael Cole's announce desk. Mr. McMahon comes out to show off the WWE Championship that is jewel-encrusted, and I guess Kane used to have it until a match result was overturned, which we never find anything about. Never find out about, ever. I thought it was a thing that was a reference to WWE history and was like, oh, maybe Miles will know. But no, no, this is just set up. So it's vacant now until somebody wins it. They have no system for anybody to win it. They're like, it's vacant now until... Some hero proves themselves worthy of claiming it. And then the funniest part is that he's like, it's vacant until somebody proves themselves worthy in the main event of WrestleMania. (laughs) Okay, so it's like, so we know when that's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Great. So Cookie invites the Scooby gang to the WWE training camp. Sin Cara, who they have not met yet, gives them a ride in his sexy ass roadster to what is like an abandoned quarry that has been turned into a training camp wrestling village enclave. (laughs) This place has everything. 
giant metal gates and closing it like it's Jurassic Park, a 24-hour strip mall of restaurants, the WWE Championship belt carved into the mountainside. And even though it is now presumably like 10 or 11 p.m., because they just finished watching a show, this place is popping with wrestlers training at this time of night. Ruben, a.k.a. Ruby, is training with Triple H and doing great. Cookie isn't supportive, though. Like, family, am I right? Daphne and Velma overhear Cookie and Ruben arguing about it. Why won't Cookie help Ruben get a start in WWE? Cookie points to his knee brace. Because one accident can put you out of contention and working with computers is much more reliable. Cookie is correct about this and says, Computers, that's the ticket, Ruby. Bob, at this point, I have to ask you, following this sequence, were you aware at this point of who the villain of the piece was? Because I absolutely knew at this point. Oh, I had no idea. Okay. Okay. Not a fucking clue. I think this might can be contributing a little bit to our respective experiences. It didn't help that I watched it with my wife, who is extremely good at figuring out the mystery a third of the way through the movie. It's just like what she does. And I often have to tell her not to tell me, but even I like to me, it was so obvious. And the whole rest of the movie was just like, okay, well, I know how this is going to play out. So everyone is settling down for bed. And like, why the fuck is Fred sleeping on the couch and Shaggy and Scooby both get beds? I was really pissed about that. (laughs) I mean, it's not that Scooby doesn't deserve a bed, but like fucking get a place that has three beds. It's really, I felt bad for Fred. So Fred is the nicest and deserves awards for being so nice. And then Scooby falls asleep and he's snoring and he goes, food, 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 food. And I thought that was really charming. Scooby has a dream where he has to wrestle a bunch of food products like a slice of pizza and a soda and they're pro wrestlers and it's set up like a video game. Scooby-Doo eats everything and then he's about to fight slash eat a giant hoagie and he wakes up to realize he's been sleepwalking. And what he's about to bite into isn't a giant hoagie. It's a giant demon bear. There's a chase and the bear crashes through a building where the Miz in traction looks at the camera and says, really? That, I mean, that made me really happy. It made me happy, too, mostly because the word really at one point was a Miz catchphrase. He would interrupt somebody's interview and go like, really? Really? Oh. Really? I find that kind of fun. It was not fun. Okay. Trust me. He also did Oorah for a while before he found Awesome. Oh. He was the most insufferable character on television. Okay. So the bear leaps onto Sinkata Sweet Roadster wrecking it. The superstars all come out of their little concrete cabin things, fully in costume, ready to fight the bear. But the bear handles all of them easily, throwing Brodus onto Triple H and then throwing the roadster at a nearby statue. That's a ball with WWE carved into it. (laughs) Like, apparently this statue is also full of explosives because when the roadster hits it, there's a giant flaming mushroom cloud. And Neil, who is very used to American action movies by this point, turned to me and said, oh, it's obviously an American car. Yeah, definitely. Sincata looks at his roadster and a slightly mournful Spanish guitar riff plays. The camera does a close up on Sincata's emotionless mask, but you can feel the pathos. <laughs> Cookie and the others join the gathering outside to say, it's true. The legend is back. The ghost bearer is here to challenge us all. Cut to Kane growling in the woods. Now, 
Cut to angry businesswoman in WWE Tower. Miss Richards is furious about the property damage. She's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Cookie reminds her about the dance contest that Shaggy and Scooby won. Like, and she says, who can keep things straight with all these bear attacks? (laughs) I'm like, okay. So the bear has been attacking multiple indoor office spaces, you know, like ghost bears do. And Mr. McMahon comes in and asks the gang to help. They're not even worried about the lives of the performers at all. Just the belt, which is jewel encrusted and obviously the bear wants it. Ghost bears, notorious for their love of tacky accessories. (laughs) So Miss Richards doesn't really want the gang to help. Suspicious. But she has a point. The belt is completely protected by a heavily secured case surrounded by laser tripwires that call security. So it's probably fine. McMahon thinks it's still worth having the kids on the case and Cena offers to help too because he's a good boy and he tells the gang that there's someone they should talk to so they head to the rooftop where Sincata is looking out at a sunset he knows the legend of the bear cue the Spanish guitar music (laughs) he doesn't talk but does an intricate dance to the guitar music that tells everyone the story of the bear while John Cena translates because John Cena, in his own words, speaks masked luchador. Sin Cara is secretly a bee, which is the only species that communicates through dance. <laughs> so the story of this bear. The bear was <sighs> a wrestler against its will, which is really shitty. Sin Cara's great great grandfather challenge the bear to a fight you cannot challenge a bear to a fight it cannot consent to that so Sincara grande wins and the bear is infuriated by this because it has a concept of wins and losses and so the bear goes on a property destroying spree and burns down the town before escaping and so this ghost bear is here for revenge all right this is all very reasonable cut to the wwe superstars eating together Triple H wants to fight the bear himself and Miz in traction is like stick together and struggles to reach a straw with his neck brace and arm in a cast. We see Kane now in the training camp. He growls at the camera. That night, Scooby is awakened by a blue blinking light moving in the sky and he stares into it. His pupils go funny as he continues to stare. Cut to the next morning. Miss Richards shows up with the authorities to apprehend Scooby-Doo who must have stolen the belt because it's now missing. And I'm like, all right, this is how, that's ridiculous. But wait, Scoobs is wearing the belt now? So Miss Richards whipped out the security camp footage and we see Scoob successfully steal the belt. John Cena and Cienkata are so disappointed. And I was like, oh, that's really sad. And Velma is like, something doesn't seem quite right. Jinkies. <laughs> Scooby is dragged away and Velma is off to solve the mystery. Now we get a PowerPoint presentation from Velma. The victory dance from the video game is the exact sequence of moves you use to avoid the laser tripwires. And Velma has the footage of Scooby in his own house doing the victory dance. So I guess that answers the question about how the game works and also maybe WWE's relationship with the NSA. So apparently the video game was full of post-hypnotic suggestions that made Scooby steal the belt, so now he has to go to jail. Although at least now we know why Scooby was sleepwalking. But wait, in WWE City, if you're accused of a crime, you have the right to fight in the ring to earn your freedom. 
famously innocent people better at fighting. Yeah, wow, really? You want to talk about this justice system that we have in WWE City? Are you in accordance with federal law on this? Where is your <laughs> oversight committee? I want to know. I want to know who Miss Stevens is. Never explained. She's a fictional character made up for this movie. Doesn't exist in real life, as far as I know. Oh, Miss Richards. Miss Richards. Sorry. Yeah, I said I said Miss Stevens because there's a wrestler named Stephen Richards. <laughs> but yeah, no. I, this is just again. This city is nightmare fuel. <laughs> I read an interesting review of it that described it as like, if Vince McMahon fucked Disneyland, this is what you would get. And it is it is as horrifying as that phrase suggests. So now they have to fight Kane during WrestleMania to win their freedom. Oh, many questions about why Kane, why they suddenly get to be the main event of WrestleMania. No, they're not the main event. They're the, they're the opening match, I thought. Oh, they yeah. are the opening match. Okay. Miles, not a single goddamn person pointed at the WrestleMania sign to indicate that they were going to fight. Not one. It's truly odd. I don't understand why there would be no pointing at the WrestleMania sign, because that is, like, crucial. You have to do that. It's tradition. No, none of this makes any sense. I don't understand why Kane has been like, was his exile self-imposed? I know. I'm like, is he the creature from Frankenstein and like he's just sad about all this? Or is he stewing on something? He's shown lurking throughout the first oh, yeah. part of the film. And we don't really know why. And then he just shows up here and he's like, I want the title again. And I guess I have to go through you. And it's like. Why were you? You could have just hung around. You could have just stayed and like gotten a title match the normal way. Like what? The fact that we get no details on that situation is utterly baffling to me. If you're not going to tell that story, then just why are we wasting time? Like just have him come out. Just be like, you have to fight Kane. Da 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 da. It's like because Kane. It's scary. Like what? What are we doing? It was weird to me because it suggests that Kane does live in WWE City, like has a little house in the wrestling enclave, but was just living in the woods for no reason. And then came back and was like, well, I guess that's the end of that. Seems like there was rustic vacation. Yeah, there's like some kind of controversy, like I don't like about him losing the title, but it's never explained. I don't know. Well, Velma and the rest of the team are going to work on the mystery while Scooby and Shaggy get to training. Cut to buzzards flying overhead as AJ Lee and Cookie try to get Shaggy and Scooby ready to kick Kane's ass. Training montage. <laughs> Training montage set to AJ Lee's theme music. Oh, I thought that was really fun. I like AJ Lee's her, theme music. Her theme music rules, actually. It does. I sometimes listen to it for fun. So it's Shaggy and Scooby. They fuck everything up and destroy a lot of property. Reuben is mad that his uncle won't train him, but will train Shaggy and Scooby, and he wants to be a wrestler. The Bone Bender. We will come back to that. Oh, oh, you had something about Bone Bender too, did you? Inside Sounds Feels? I look forward to it. Yeah, I think it might be the same one. It might be the but same we one. We will see. Yeah, okay. The gang has a map, and they're ready to go looking for clues. Well, somehow it's night now, because that's the rules. And they go looking for the ghost bear's cave, and it's on the property of the cranky old man from earlier. He starts an avalanche that nearly kills the team, which seems super illegal. 
John Cena stops an enormous boulder single-handedly and saves them all. And Daphne texted him so he knew where they were, which I don't know how you give your location in the woods. But, you know, thank (laughs) God the film addressed that potential plot hole of how John Cena was there. But they found the cave. From the shadows in the woods, Bayard says, They just walked into a trap that's better than any I could make. I don't know. Like, he seems like the baddie to me. Uh, Sure. So... The team plus Cena find the bones of the original bear in the cave and a hidden workshop. There's books on hypnosis (laughs) and schematics for an EMP (laughs) and a sinister calendar with the date for WrestleMania circled in red. Miles, suspicious. Indeed. Oh, no. The ghost bear comes back. It throws Cena into the wall and then comes after the team who just abandoned John Cena. Yeah, they, <laughs> they just leave, leave him there. Unconscious <laughs> ass so lying dumb. in that fucking workshop. <laughs> and we do get a chase scene. We get the classic, beautiful Hanna-Barbera chase scene running into one door and then, you know, out the other. I mean, it, it's stalactites and stalagmites. Like, you're seeing them run in between them and you're seeing them like go in and out of shot, but it's all the Hanna-Barbera ridiculousness. They're changed levels through various like levers and pulleys and all kinds of ridiculous stuff. The second act chase scene is my least favorite thing in movies. I don't care for it, but I appreciate when Hanna-Barbera does it because it is like seeing somebody play a classical piece of music to me. Mm. It is just like, oh, it's perfect. I don't necessarily enjoy it, but I recognize that it's perfect in what it does. The bit where they were like, where it was Shaggy and Scooby going, like where the camera was static and they were just running through the doors and the bear was chasing them. Like that was, I got that feeling there. I was like, oh, it's classic Scooby-Doo shit. You know what I mean? But like when the place was flooding and the stakes were like super high, I was like, come on, man. Oh, it's a fucking Scooby-Doo cartoon crossing over with this weird bullshit presentation of WWE. Give me a break with your floods and your life and death fucking stakes. I come on. Come on. I didn't buy it. Okay. I really enjoyed this part. I thought the chase scene went on too long. However, in the process of fending off this bear, part of the cave is collapsed and water rushes in, flooding the cave, washing them all downstream. Shaggy and Scooby are body surfing on snoring John Cena, (laughs) which apparently is what happens when you get knocked out. The WWE would really like you to believe. Yeah. You just go night night. You just go to sleep. And then you wake up later and you're fine. And then that bear fucking leaps out of the water. The camera keeps cutting to John Cena snoring. And I thought it was really fucking funny. So then there's a waterfall because there has to be a waterfall. John Cena wakes up mid fall from this waterfall and does an over the shoulder throw on the bear in midair. (laughs) And then they wash out next to the storm drain. Great. Next to WWE city. Suspicious. (laughs) John Cena and the gang then explain to Miss Richards why WrestleMania needs to be canceled. Like that EMP probably is not a good sign for this event. And an EMP, the electromagnetic pulse will knock out all the electricity. So that's kind of like low stakes ish, but it's not the lowest stakes. They will not cancel it, even if the safety and security of the performers and attendance is threatened. (laughs) Gosh, I cannot imagine WWE would ever do that. Gasp. Miss Richards is like, one way or another, WrestleMania goes on. So instead, they're going to turn WrestleMania into a trap. 
A bear trap. <laughs> so it's now WrestleMania. A thunderstorm is raging outside. And oh shit. The angry hill country man Bayard and his raccoon are loitering angrily outside in the rain. Hmm. The Tron announces that Kane is going to wrestle both Skinny Man and Dead Meat, which are the ring names of Shaggy and Scooby, respectively. I just want to say one thing. Mm-hmm. Getting some serious WrestleMania 37 vibes with this mania in the rain action here. Mm. I was worried there was going to be a weather delay and... Uh, and Sin Cara <laughs> was going to have to cut an impromptu promo using interpretive dance. Oh, man, I wish. I wish they'd had that kind of vision. <laughs> man, if you have not watched some of the bullshit that's happened at the start of WrestleMania 37, you're not missing anything, but it is fun. It is fun. So everyone is in position for the plan. Triple H is standing outside in the rain <laughs> in just his briefs. <laughs> Fair enough, bud. You do you. The jewel-encrusted WWE Championship belt is led to the ring with a security escort and Miss Richards. Oh, shit. Velma knows where the EMP is. But it's also, I guess, opening event time. Opening match, yeah. Yeah, opening match. Kane versus Skinny Man and Dead Meat. So this is a last man standing match. Which, why? Why is it a last man standing match? How would you even do a last man standing handicap match? Do they both have to be down for the 10 count or only one of them? What are we doing here? <laughs> so I, it's whoever can still get up before a 10 count is the winner. And yeah, it is also a handicap match. And no, the, no explanation is forthcoming. Kane takes out the referee immediately. So Kane, despite his alleged obsession with getting the belt, is not interested in doing the things that it would take to get the belt. He apparently just wants to kill Shaggy and Scooby, which will not get him what he wants. Apparently in this universe, you don't win the belt by, like, winning a wrestling match. You win the belt by doing something cool that uh, the company that awards it to you. And then if it's... (laughs) It's the world that it is suggesting. And by suggesting, I mean gesturing vaguely and wildly at is puzzling. Velma runs to Miss Richards to say, the EMP is in the belt and the belt has already been stolen. This belt that is in the case is a fake. Gasp. But how? The EMP goes, causing the electricity to short and the ghost bear, who has just been waiting for this opportunity, attacks. But the gang has a plan. Flares. (laughs) Multiple WWE superstars help by lighting a series of flares around the ring, (laughs) including an injured Miz who falls over in the process. The beacons are lit! I know, I did have a real, like, Gondor calls for aid (laughs) feeling, and was like, come on, play the swelling music. That's, like, one of the best parts of the film. I like that now the fans are like, yay, we can see WrestleMania again, bathed in the sickly green light! (laughs) So the bear starts by attacking all the championship trophy cases suspicious but the match is still going shaggy is strung up in the ropes and scooby has to fight kane alone but with the power of the dance moves he learned from the video game he's able to avoid every hit from kane who goes headfirst into a turnbuckle miles turnbuckle 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 Ugh. the flares are fading but triple h is outside with enough generators to power wrestlemania and i want to just say there is a giant's lever that you have to push to make this electricity that's in these generators turn on, I guess. And we get a rain-soaked, dramatic shot 
of Triple H working hard to do this lever. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think to turn on a generator, it's hard. I don't think that that's the point of a generator. That it's like a sword in the stone experience. I mean, I guess good for Triple H, uh, you know, being humble because, like, you know, we only saw John Cena lift a fucking van at the beginning of the movie, but he has trouble <laughs> with a fucking lever. So the lights are back on. The bear is backstage watching the match on a TV <laughs> in the traditional <laughs> WWE fashion. Absolutely. It does not like what it sees because Scooby is doing pretty well in this match. Hmm. Meanwhile, Ruben, the bone bender, is going to fight this goddamn bear. <laughs> they fight out onto the entrance ramp. Fred then hits the button that obviously turns the ramp into a catapult. Obviously. That's going to be part of SummerSlam this year, right? I fucking hope so. That'd be nice. <laughs> the ramp sends Ruben and the bear right into the ring. Fred presses a second button that turns the ring into a cage. Hell in a cell. They never say Hell in a Cell, which is a real bummer. They say cage match. It's just a cage match. Yeah, it's not but Hell in I'm a like, Cell. But it is. How is it not Hell in a Cell? What's the difference? Okay, so in a, in a regular cage match, the cage is set on the apron. There's no space between the ring and the walls of the cage. In Hell in a Cell, okay. it's larger, so you can fight between the cage and the ring. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I'm just like, that's nothing. I, <laughs> that's nothing. What the fuck is the goddamn difference? Hell in a Cell difference? has a roof on it. Hell in a Cell has a roof on it as well. Which I guess this one <sighs> did? I don't remember. Yes, it did. Okay. And I uh, Maybe it okay. was Hell in a Cell. I don't know. No, it was not Hell in a Cell. It was, I'm pretty sure it was just a cage match, but I'm still going, really, the difference is that Hell in a Cell, they had a slightly bigger cell. Like... They spent an extra 20 bucks on chain link. And a roof. And a roof. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, your chain link contractors are going to have words for you about that. But <laughs> all right. So Sin Cara and John Cena aren't going to let this happen without them. And it feels weird to say this, but the animated cage for this match looked really fake and cheesy compared to the ones the WWE uses, which I was not expecting. Well, especially because like in WWE, like they construct the cage ahead of time and lower it down over the ring. Whereas this one is like, they've got these metal arms that put the individual walls of the cage together around the ring. <laughs> it's like, yeah. is this fucking Transformers? What are we doing? <laughs> I was expecting the animated one to look better. I really <laughs> thought, but I maybe it's hard to animate chain link and I just don't know that. Sincara, Cirque du Soleil is around the bear to Spanish guitar music, getting it in the chin. Cena power slams the ghost bear and then delivers the five knuckle shuffle, which I don't really understand what that is. Is that just an elbow drop where he does a thing first? No, the five knuckle shuffle is the. <laughs> I, can't... <laughs> I can't believe they got that name into a children's cartoon. So the five knuckle shuffle is the move where Cena, his opponent is face up, lying down. In the ring. Yeah. And Cena stands over his head and goes, you can't see me, waves his hand over his face. And then he yeah. bounces off the ropes. And as he's running back toward them, he stops and like drops his fist onto their face. Okay. Which is. Isn't that illegal? Aren't you not supposed to punch people? They punch each other all the time. You know this. Um, okay. More interesting to me is the fact that when WWE went PG, they made John Cena change the name of the FU, which was the name of his finishing move, to the attitude uh -huh. adjustment. And he, they made him change the STFU into just the STF. But they didn't make him change the five-knuckle shovel, which leads me to believe that nobody in WWE is aware of the subtextual meaning of that phrase. 
I don't know the subtextual meaning of that phrase either. Oh, really? Is it a euphemism for masturbation it, or something? It is. <laughs> oh. Yes. So you do the five knuckle shuffle, yeah. Oh. And they, okay. They the fact that they don't know what that is so much that it made it into this fucking Scooby Doo cartoon is oh amazing to me. It's amazing. I can just see in the writer's room, everybody was like, don't say it. Do not mention it. It is, we're going to do this. Keep this under your hat. Cena and Sinkata go in for the pin. I, I'm sorry, uh, but trying to disarm somebody who is essentially a domestic terrorist is not a pinning situation. The pin attempt fails, though, because this bear is not done yet. Oh, shit. Yeah, why Miles. are they trying to pin it? I don't understand. Anyway, it's going to take a monster to beat a monster. <gasps> Scooby pours water on Kane's face. Those weird eyes open. And now the damp, enraged Kane (laughs) is going to send this bear to ghost hell. (laughs) Isn't that just regular hell? (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. That's a good point. You make a fair point. Kane gets a bear leg and has him down on the mat. And everyone else gets another limb holding the bear in place. And Scooby-Doo delivers a frog splash that they call a belly bomb. Is that anything? No. Okay, I didn't think so. The entire ring is destroyed, and whatever is powering the ghost bear does the of going dead. Unbelievable. <laughs> I I feel, okay, so you know how I felt about the fact that in Money Plane, nobody gets thrown out of the goddamn plane? Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about the fact that at no point during this movie did a wrestler apply a bear hug to the bear. Oh. What, 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 that's, isn't that, why are you doing a bear? <laughs> if it's not gonna, you're not going to do a bear hug to it. I take your point. I think such a missed opportunity. I feel like perhaps the people animating the film or perhaps the writers of this piece were not up on wrestling in the way that it would be helpful to the success of this endeavor. I mean, yeah, but like bear hug isn't even just a wrestling term. Like a bear hug is a bear hug. Everyone knows what a bear hug is. It is a wrestling move. I guess I would associate it with like pleasant things rather than like <laughs> being grappled. But... <laughs> And up we go. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time for the unmasking. It's Cookie. Oh, holy shit. I was not expecting this. Why would you do this, Uncle Cookie? He was bitter because he couldn't be the champion after his injury. All right. Now, this is the most goddamn convoluted plan I have ever heard. Yeah, let's talk about this. So strap the fuck in. <laughs> Once he was injured... He began to grow more and more bitter about being (laughs) sidelined from glory, a bitterness that only grew with each new wrestler that he helped to train. He developed a plan for revenge, but he'd need a pawn to steal the championship belt. Why not hack the video game (laughs) and embed post-hypnotic suggestions into it? The video game was folded into a contest that Cookie got established by sending fake emails through the (laughs) WWE system approving the contest. That's why the ghost bear, Cookie, destroyed the video game studio, which is the bear attacks that Miss Richards was complaining about earlier. The contest meant that only the person who was the most physically equipped to steal the belt would be the one who rolled up at WWE City. Now... Remember those flashing blue lights Scooby saw right before he woke up with the belt? That was Cookie triggering the post-hypnotic suggestions that would turn Scooby into a dancing, belt-stealing stooge. But Scooby wasn't wearing the real belt when he woke up in the morning. Cookie had already taken the real jewel-encrusted belt for himself 
And with that vital business out of the way, he could attend to the real plan. Like, are you fucking serious, film? That was not the real plan. That was just vanity right there. So the real plan was to turn off the lights at WrestleMania and with the help of his bear disguise, freak everyone out to inspire a panic, stampede, injuries, all that good stuff that would ensure WrestleMania and the reputation of the WWE were both destroyed forever. Where's the belt? (sighs) Cookie is wearing it under the bear costume. To echo Miles, what are we doing here? (laughs) Cena takes it off him and holds it up for the cheering throngs. Allegedly, the golden jewels on the belt were going to set Cookie up for life. And I was like, yeah, right. Because fencing one of a kind items is famously very easy to do. And we get the obligatory. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids and your crazy dog. And the audience too on the nose to you. Do you mean like obligatory? That that it didn't feel like like earned? Is that a line that is said in every Scooby-Doo episode? Or like they hadn't said it, I would have been so mad. Okay. And it's not that I like having it said. It's that if it's not said, it's like this is not a Scooby-Doo experience. Okay. okay. That that was my question. That makes more sense to me then. Because to me, so, it feels like, you know, how like everybody says play it again, Sam, even though that's not the line. I don't know. In some ways, it would be like if a wrestler came out and didn't do their signature move that they always do for this particular sure. thing. And no, you'd no. be like, well, what are we doing? Why it makes a lot more it? sense if it's like that's a thing that happens in every Scooby-Doo episode. Oh, yeah. I think they shouldn't do it all the time. But at the same time, if they don't, I'd be mad. <laughs> so sure. yeah, yeah. I don't want it, but I want it to be there. Okay. Broader question. Why the fuck are you booing Cookie, though? He's right. An unscrupulous company that profits off the bodies of athletes and doesn't respect them does deserve to be robbed and swindled. Cookie is fighting a morally corrupt entity. He is the hero of this film. So Ruben is worried that he will not be allowed to stay in WWE City, but everyone reassures him that he's welcome to stay in whatever capacity he wants, whether that's in the ring or behind a computer. The belt is awarded to the true champions of this film, Shaggy and Scooby, and even Kane offers them a handshake Everyone chants, Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo, because there hasn't been any chanting yet in this movie about wrestling. And I was really pissed off about that. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the end of the film. Loose thread. Did the Hill Folk guy just like know about all this and he just didn't care? Like, <laughs> what was Bayard's deal? I don't know. Well, thank you so much for that breakdown, Bob. So correct me if I'm wrong. You liked this movie. Like is not the word I would use. I would say I am perfectly content with it being the kind of thing it is. And I felt like for that, it was really good for a piece of corporate synergy. It's great. (laughs) It's better than any Disney direct-to-video film I've ever seen. I mean, the ultimate corporate synergy is obviously like the MCU, right? Like the MCU, oh, yeah. the MCU is a masterclass in like how to get people invested in your corporate growth annually by making your product <laughs> so good that it doesn't matter. It's reasonably well written. The lines are not terribly delivered. Everybody is doing an okay job in the acting front. The animation's not bad. It's better than a lot of Disney sequels. The animation's pretty good. The comedy timing is, it's Hanna-Barbera pretty good. I expected it to be way, way worse. And so because of that, I think I was shocked. 
I would say it is 3.5 out of 5, but that is on a different scale than I would rank films that exist to be art. Okay. For a film that exists to be <laughs> like a product, it's a 3.5 out of 5 for me. I'm really shocked at how well it holds together as like a thing that is trying to be a movie. I have a hard time with this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. For, for understandably. that reason. Like, I just talked about the MCU. Part of me wishes that I could hate the Marvel movies mm-hmm. because I recognize what they represent from a corporate standpoint and, you know, like like Captain Marvel and the fucking Air Force and like all the yeah. shit like like Ooh. there's there's so many reasons to not be on board with the MCU. But in my opinion, they are so good. Mm-hmm. They are films and and more importantly, comic book adaptations of such incredible quality that I am able to put that part of my brain aside. And it might be that that's what it takes. Like it okay. takes things that are that good because I just like the first half an hour of the movie. I was mainly just like laughing and kind of like blown away by the weird choices being made. Like mm. the fact that Sin Cara is being presented as such a big deal. The fact that like random People like Brodus Clay and Santino Morella are in this movie, like playing themselves. Everything about WWE City and like how all this works. Like I was just kind of like able to ride it for a little bit and be like, well, this is fucking weird. (laughs) But as the movie went on, I had a harder time feeling okay about the propaganda-ness of it. Uh, It was just very clearly, let's tell kids that WWE is a fun, cool thing with no problems at all. And like everybody wants to be a WWE superstar people who get injured and like bitter about how they're used and have to then go and like train other wrestlers. Oh, those people are bad and they're probably black. Yes. And probably black. There's that. And like the way it portrays Vince is is in this like, It was very uncomfortable and weird. Yeah. So I just had a really hard time. And then there's a whole fucking Daphne thing where it's like she's not into it because she's a girl. And then she's Mm -hmm. into it because she's a girl. And then like she is all into Cena and Fred is kind of jealous of Cena. But then like Cena is such a good dude. And he like tells everybody that Fred is so great, which makes her like like Fred again. And that was kind of gross. There's the the thing, the sequence with AJ where she's training them and like kicking the shit out of them. And they're like, oh, yes. my God, she's like Kane with, with lipstick, which yes. on the one hand, I want to praise for like putting the, the one woman in the movie on that level. But she's also the one woman in the movie. And yes. I had a hard time getting past it. And beyond that, I was bored. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew who the villain was and I knew exactly how the story was going to go. Because, like, as soon as they were like, oh, here's this guy, he used to be a superstar and never won the championship and really doesn't want his nephew wrestling. And I'm like, okay, so he's going to try and destroy WrestleMania. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's what you do. So I I was not super into this. I did enjoy aspects of it. I'm glad I watched it. Let me put it this this way. I'm very glad it was was selected. I'm glad I got the chance to see it. Uh, I've been curious about it with all the commercials we've been sitting through on the NXT episodes. And I was curious about it at the time because I was sitting through the same commercial 
specials at the time. Glad I saw it. Very interesting, like little weird thing in the history of WWE. They did a Scooby-Doo movie and and like and Kane was this like wandering nobody <laughs> and fucking the Miz is like a joke. And like, yeah, really interesting choices. But um, but overall, in terms of like a, a film, I was I was not able to look past its failings. It has a ton of them. I think famously, I have a higher tolerance for things that are bad than you do. Honestly, most people do, I think. Yeah, like, you're you you're like an orchid. <sighs> I mean, not in all ways, but like if exposed to things that suck, you're like, no, I can't. And I'm like, oh, this isn't that bad. It's fine. Sharon and I have this argument all the time because she loves bad movies. And like she always, oh, hey, we get some time to watch a movie. What do you want to watch? And she's like, always wants to watch shitty like B movies, and I'm just like, or we could watch something good. <laughs> there's there's lots of good movies that get made that that we haven't seen, and they make them, and and they're available <laughs> on streaming. We could watch those. I could probably get this from my dad because my dad is like, my dad is such a snob in some ways. <laughs> um, I have a hard time turning off my brain. I get that. I just would say for a thing that I expected to be utterly artless. It had some art to it, and I was shocked that it had any. I was expecting it to be a blatant, cynical, low production values cash grab. And it was a high budget, some production values, thoughtful cash grab. I mean, it was still absolutely like immoral and terrible. But I was like, oh, you put some thought into this. This has some stuff going on. You like did an animation. You asked people (laughs) to sort of do a voice act. All right. (laughs) All right. With that, shall we turn to the sights, sounds and feels and check in with our eyes, our ears and our hearts? Let's fucking do it. All right, Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? In the little bit where we get shots of the city lights before the first event the gang goes to see. Okay. There's a hotel sign. That's a pun. Did you see it, Miles? I don't think I did. Tell me. It says best wrestler. Best ah! wrestler. Okay. That is barely a pun. But I <laughs> And I was really upset because I wanted more puns. And there was also a thing that I was curious about. It was Mr. McMahon's Waffle House. Is that a reference to anything? I don't believe so. Okay, because I was like, why Mr. McMahon? Why a Waffle House? Does he have a move that's like waffle based? If that's a thing, it's too deep a cut for me. Miles, what did your elf I see? First of all, I noticed this initially because um, I was interested. So during WrestleMania, they occasionally cut to like fans watching. Mm-hmm. And one of the groups of fans watching is this group of four young women. And yes. I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. Like, you know, just like there's no men in the house. Like, there's just four women hanging out enjoying WrestleMania. Sort of performative, but kind of neat. Mm-hmm. It was only later that I learned who those four women are. I thought they might be something because the animation style was slightly different. Yes. So the guy that produced and directed this movie, Brandon Vietti, was also the co-creator of an animated series called Young Justice. <gasps> which is based on DC Comics. So it's a DC Comics animated series uh, about like teenage versions of like DC heroes, right? Uh-huh. 
those four women are members of the Young Justice cast. So, like, it's Wonder Girl, Artemis, Miss Martian, and Zatanna. Oh my god, that's wonderful! Yeah, and I just really enjoyed that. I was like, oh, Zatanna, she's so happy that the wrestling is back on! <laughs> Alright, Bob, what did your Vulcaneers hear? And is it the I- same thing that mine heard? Oh, how can it not be? Ruben says... <laughs> I got an outfit I made out of spandex and bones. Real bones I ordered off the internet. Ruben, what the fuck? You can't order human remains? I mean, you can, but like, what do you use? Fucking Bitcoin? You can't just buy them on Etsy. He was on like Silk Road buying like body parts. This is some weird shit that WWE's like, that's fine. Got no problem with that. Outfit out of spandex and bones. What? And I want it for Miles and I to paint a quick picture of the quality of this outfit. (laughs) Yeah, because he wears it later. It is a like kind of chest piece. And then it has three bones, and they look like dog bones, basically. And one of them falls off as he's about to fight the bear. And, and he, he has not done. He's not done anything to like make it look like something. They're just like hot glued. It's nothing. He bought human remains, and he fucked up his outfit. Like, <laughs> <sighs> I don't. Under- I just don't understand why you would. Why that would be his character? Why would they put this in a kid's movie and go like, you know what kids think is funny? Human bones. My only guess, the only thing I could possibly even come close to conceptualizing is that they were trying to do a thing because Scooby's a dog. So like, I feel like that is such a no prize. Like, uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's a a real stretch. Although I do want to say, Bob, the bone bender and his outfit. Has inspired me to ask you for a favor. Oh, yes. At some point in Garden Plots. Okay. Can, can Skeletor wrestle? Um, can, can Skeletor talk about wrestling or do a wrestle or somehow be involved <laughs> in the wrestling? Is wrestling a thing in Eternia? Because it seems like it would be. I will not rule it out, but I am not the only writer in the writer's room. Okay, but one of the other ones is Hub, though. I will say there is a non-zero chance of that coming up, but I okay. have no idea when or how. All right. Well, if you need, if you need like a guest writer on that one, let me know. Okay. All right. <laughs> I've got your number. I know where you live. That's right. That was what my fucking Vulcaneers heard too. No more to say about that. So, Bob, what did your human heart feel? You know, I felt a lot of things. Probably more than I needed to feel. But I think the thing that I felt that shocked me was just this overwhelming love for the way that they portrayed Sinkata as like this <laughs> soulful interpretive dancing bee human who had a lot of emotions and cared a lot and didn't talk. And then also, as Neil pointed out, Sinkata never talks in the film. They didn't have to pay him for rights. No. And so he didn't make a goddamn cent off of this. And I was really sad because they use Sincata all the time. And that's why I think Sincata is has equal billing with John Cena because he's affordable in that he's free because they just own the image. But they got <sighs> Triple H, man. Like, why, why couldn't it just be him? I don't know. Whatever. It's fine. I appreciated that they did the dancing thing because I thought that was really stupid and fun. <laughs> that's fun. I love that. Sin Cara 
very shortly in our coverage is going to be back in our lives in a huge way. Yeah. He's going to be, we're going to be talking about Sin Cara a lot. And I love that we have a new framework in which to discuss him because he is a bee. He is a bee. <laughs> and we will be able to talk about that for the remainder of his fairly lengthy NXT career. Now, is he a single bee who's giant and hides his other legs? Or is he a swarm of bees that's in a man suit? Ah, that's a good question. I think he's a swarm. Oh, that's nice. Good for yeah. them. Working together, making it work. Bees are colony animals, and I don't think a single bee could pull this off. All right, Miles, what did your human heart feel? <sighs> so I don't want to go like super negative on this, but um, just weird indigenous cultures feelings about this movie. Oh, yes. It's just weird to me that they brought in this Bayard guy who's yeah. like a white trash hillbilly. Yeah. With a raccoon. But uh -huh. his whole thing is that WWE City is expanding and like taking up too much of his land. And soon the spirits or whatever will like wipe them away. And it just gave off this weird vibe to me. Like, we're going to tell this weird side story that doesn't go anywhere about colonization, but the, the people being colonized, the people being colonized are like trailer trash white people. And yeah. it made me feel really uncomfortable. And then even then, just the fact that and I don't I'm not an expert in like native or indigenous mythology or anything like that. But the fact that the that there was a bear, like a ghost bear, seemed to mm -hmm. play into that in a weird way to me. And I could just be totally that could just be the fact that I've read fucking New Mutants too many times. And I, I associate the demon bear saga with Native American shit. That could oh, very okay. well be the case. But it was just weird. And it wasn't explicitly culturally appropriative, but it felt yeah. culturally appropriative. Like, there's no real explanation of, like, why cookie decided to do all this in the guise of a of the ancient bear which is apparently like a mexican legend but it's not a legend but like the most exotic guy there is the one who knows the story and yeah. it's his ancestor that fought the bear back in the day and it's just there's just a lot of weird little fucking things like that that made the experience uncomfortable for me oh yeah <laughs> the wwe propaganda is fucking blatant they have a championship carved into a fucking mountain like <laughs> like which presumably they have to change every time they redesign the fucking belt which they do numerous <laughs> times but but this was just like it seemed like really weird like unconscious like white privilege shit there was a lot of that that yeah. it just sort of felt so deeply buried that you were going, I can tell it's here, but I don't know how it is informing what I'm watching. It is just like baked into it completely. It's just like, why a bear? Why the the dude in the woods talking about the city encroaching on their land? Like, like why any of this? I don't. Yeah. It's such a bizarre choice that to me doesn't seem like it has much to do with the wrestling part of it. It seems to me it has more to do with the Scooby-Doo part of it. My knowledge of Scooby-Doo is mostly that it is a haunted carnival. Like, it's always a haunted carnival every time. I'm sure it's not, but all mm -hmm. of my memories are of it always being a haunted carnival, and it's probably because somehow I've seen one episode five times. But I do have a lot of questions about Bayard, and I wish that they had resolved any of that. I, I don't know. Part of me... Okay. Miles, let me pitch you 
the oh, gritty no. sequel. Oh, no. It's not even really a sequel. I want you to picture this. Some sort of sequel happens, and it's the end of the sequel, and it is Bayard standing on a hill, and like the ruins of time have destroyed WWE City, and it's just like a tumbleweed blows past, and he just says, <laughs> like dead leaves, cut to black. Oh, okay, I like it. It'll be like the Snyder Cut, you know? Oh, no. (laughs) No, I'm not prepared for the Snyder Cut of this film. Never. Do not release that. All right, well, those were the sights, sounds, and feels of WrestleMania mystery. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like I said, I don't have specific cheap pop quiz questions for you, Bob. But I do have one thing I want to go over with you real quick. Oh, yes? So you mentioned a sequel. Yes. And there was, in fact, a sequel. Oh my god, you're fucking kidding me. No. What's it called? It's called Scooby-Doo and WWE Curse of the Speed Demon. Okay, not drugs, I'm guessing. (laughs) No, I don't think so. It premiered at the San Diego Comic-Con on July (gasps) 23rd, 2016 and was released on DVD. What? Yeah. um, What the fuck? It was delayed. Okay, um, well, okay. Because it was originally supposed to prominently feature Hulk Hogan. Oh, shit. However, uh, in 2015, Hulk Hogan uh, said some things that he should not have said. Because he's a piece of shit and needs to die. Because he is a racist, yes. And uh, and WWE terminated their contract with him, an arrangement that sadly does not continue into the present day. He wasn't in the movie. So, Bob, I have prepared a list of wrestlers. Okay. As I go through them, I want you to tell me if they are in Scooby-Doo and WWE Curse of the Speed Demon or not. Okay, you know what, Miles? I think I'm going to watch this sequel because I need to know what it's like. I am so fucking curious. Do they go back to WWE City? Is it a different place? Do they change what they have established as the quote-unquote lore of how the WWE works? Is there another questionable justice system that is (laughs) combat-based? Okay, so are you ready? Yes. I'm going to say a name of a wrestler and you're going to tell me if you think they appear in the movie voicing themselves. Okay, like some, I will say yes or no. Yeah, you'll say yes or no. Some characters like in, in WrestleMania mystery, like you see Sergeant Slaughter, but Sergeant Slaughter doesn't act in the film. Yes, exactly. So you're, you're, you're telling me if they appear in the film in a voice role as themselves. OK, OK. All right, here we go. The Undertaker. Yes. Triple H. Yeah. Stephanie McMahon. No. Goldust, a.k.a. Uh, you know him as Dustin Rhodes, but this is when he was putting on paint and calling himself Goldust. Mm, I'm going to say no. Seamus. God, I hope so. <laughs> is that a yes? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take that as a yes, just as a, I'm putting a wish out into the world. Okay. Stardust, a.k.a. the character being played at the time by Cody Rhodes. Yes. Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, I mean, if they can, they should. The Miz. Yeah, he's affordable. Page. 2016? No. Diego and Fernando Los Matadores. No, because I've never heard of them. Their mascot, El Torito. <laughs> no. Lana. Yes. Rusev. Yes. Michael Cole. Oh, yeah. Kofi Kingston. Ooh, I'm so scared. I hope they don't fuck it up if they do. All right. Yes. Vince McMahon. Of course. That concludes the list. Uh, the correct answer to all of those is yes. <laughs> Oh, wow. 
Wow. <laughs> they really went for broke. Yeah, there's a lot of wrestlers in that movie. I mean, I should have said yes about Gold Dust because obviously, like, they can't get enough of a man in drag. Like, Warner Brothers always did that with Bugs Bunny and all this other stuff. Like, of course, Hanna Barbera did that. So that makes sense. If you had to guess, does this movie remain in continuity with the first movie in that, like, are they still called, like, Skinny Man and Dead Meat? And do they reference the previous events and stuff like that? Like, is this a a sequel in continuity or is this, like, another Scooby-Doo WWE movie? I am so sad, but I am pretty sure that they have erased all previous continuity and they're going to act like they have never met Vince McMahon before, ever. You are incorrect. (laughs) (gasps) What? They build on the previous. So they're still going to WWE City and shit. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page. They continue to use the skinny man and dead meat names. It references the the fact that they had previously helped with the WrestleMania mystery. And uh, Vince hires them to solve a mystery. (laughs) Okay, I am going to see what it currently rates at on anything that has a rating it has 6.2 out of 10 stars on imdb but that's what everything has on on imdb like imdb is just like everything has seven stars oh my god they're like citizen kate seven stars manos the hands of fate seven stars rotten Rotten tomatoes yeah rotten tomatoes it does not have a critical tomato meter because apparently it was not reviewed by enough critics to it gosh it it was reviewed by no critics Okay. (laughs) But the audience score is at 57%. That could be worse. It could be worse. I'm curious as to what the WrestleMania mystery is rated on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Let's see. That has a 70% audience score. Oh. So... There are also way more ratings of that one, too. So we will uh, we will update all of you out there when Bob goes out and watches Scooby-Doo and WWE Curse of the Speed Demon. I will not be watching it. It is not going on another poll. Don't ask unless you ask very nicely, in which case, maybe. <laughs> but but uh, Bob, if you do end up watching that film, please update us on what it is and what you thought about it. Oh, absolutely. I am going to have so many questions, but I guess I will just accept that they're not going to be in continuity with the WWE in any way unless they decided <laughs> to really lean into that. And who knows? Who knows? Yeah, none of this is in any way in continuity with WWE, although you can certainly tell. These are not the people that were like on top of the world in 2013, but like I guess not. There's only one year where you'd even get Sin Cara, Brodus Clay, and Santino Morella and wow. AJ Lee in the same movie. Like, there's only one period of time in history where you even think of including those wrestlers. Do you think that Bayard and Kane end up together? It's an interesting question. I don't <laughs> think I ship them. Do you? I don't know. I mean, they both have a passion for wandering around in the woods and being angry. Yeah, but like Baird would be angry at Kane because he's one of the colonizers, right? Oh, man, that's a good point. That's so, a good point. Yeah, and like he's no. wandering around in his woods like he owns the fucking place. Like, I, I don't oh, think they man. would have a, unless it was an enemies to lovers where like they start out hating each other for those reasons and then they overcome it, which I can I mean, see. OK, in this world, we could have a Kane where he realizes that the WWE is a piece of shit company and like helps Baird destroy it. We could have that. Yes. I would be okay with, 
kind of okay with this. Uh, <laughs> I still think the fact that they're white is problematic. Oh, God, no, it's super problematic, uh, but like, okay, fine. I want Cookie to burn it all down and There win. you go. I like that better. I, I, I think I like Cookie is the secret protagonist of this film. Oh, yeah, he and is. And if I were making a sequel, I would switch the roles there. Oh, absolutely. So like Cookie and Baird, maybe... Uh, get together and they and they bring down wwe i can see that a lot better that would be amazing oh my god and then they start another promotion that's actually like good yeah i can see that because he's a trainer so like he can train people if he he sees a worthy cause in it right like yeah yeah i like that well that's 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 ending this episode on the positive note i think that'll be headcanon from now on (laughs) yeah baird and cookie destroy the wwe Yay! Happy ending! (laughs) Okay, on that note, thank you all for listening to this bonus episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Thank Uh, you so much for your donations. Thank you so much for supporting this show. It means so much to us. I hope that this episode was an interesting journey and it saved you the trouble of watching this film because I did have to rent it on Amazon Prime and I do have feelings about that. Yeah, I spent money on it to rent it as well. And it's uh, because you can't watch it for free anywhere, so... Such is the nature of WWE products in many ways. But thank you for taking us on this journey, even though it was a weird journey. I am happy we were able to bring you this bizarre, bizarre, I guess, fever dream. Yeah, I mean, it basically was like I did feel after it was over like I had just woken up from something terrible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yes, thank you all so much for helping us out and getting us to this point and uh, allowing us to provide you with this bonus episode. Really hope you enjoyed it. Keep an eye out for What If Cats Pro Wrestling, which will be a written piece appearing on the Patreon uh, as soon as I finish it. That's coming next for our patrons. We will see you next time. I guess when we hit uh, 200, we will see you next time with another bonus episode of your choosing. Until then, Scooby-Dooby-Doo, I guess. Scooby-Dooby-Doo! Bye! The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman and Megan Bob, with logo design by Claire Mulcairin. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. They're the best. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. All right, uh, so here we are. We're doing this. Uh, Bob watched... Uh, so, okay, so I should say, so, uh, this is our bonus episode. Uh, this is the bonus episode that we reached. <laughs> so bad at this. Why am I doing are this? You, do you want me to Why do, do it? Are you, 
No, it's Are fine. you too high and too I'm full Scooby-Doo? I'm not even yet. No, no, no. You're it's high fine. on Scooby-Doo. I... <laughs> Hold for Borks. Mulder agrees. Yeah. He's like, don't start an avalanche. That's mean. Yeah. Also, stop delivering packages to this house. That's also mean. I don't <laughs> like it. 